This episode of Slay the Stigma is brought to you by Methodist Richardson Medical Center, offering high-quality family medical care in Richardson. Deborah Dobbs. I'm the executive director of The Counseling Place, a victim advocacy and mental health agency in Richardson, Texas. I see the stigma around mental health as a dragon. And it's a dragon our society keeps well fed. That dragon, though, it's hurting, even killing good people. So we need to get rid of it once and for all. Now, you don't do that by addressing it or tackling it. If you want to kill a dragon, you slay it. So welcome to Season 2 of Slay the Stigma. This season, experts and everyday people will dispel myths, challenge perceptions, and offer hope about mental health. Season 2 includes a series on men, a series on spirituality and mental health, and some tricky topics like narcissism and psychopathy. Each episode delivers a powerful strike against the stigma, and we don't intend to stop until that dragon is slain. something that every everybody does differently and I think we have this still this this perception that there's stages of grief and the work that Kubler Ross did was really you know was good work but I think it's misunderstood when people think you go from one stage to the next to the next when it's really a cycle and you go in and out of stages and there's also not a time and there's not you know, people will say time heals on wounds, and the truth is everybody grieves differently, and the tools that you have will impact the way that you grieve, but everybody's experience is unique. So today we have someone here to give us his perspective, and it's the male perspective. I mean, a lot of times I think men aren't allowed to grieve, our cultural norms don't uh, open the door for men to grieve maybe the same way women can. So today we have David Foster with us to thankfully share your experience uh, with grief. And I'm not going to do an introduction. You go ahead and you tell us about yourself rather than yeah. doing that. Yeah, no. Uh, David Foster. Um, <clears throat> I work with young people at Shiloh Terrace Baptist Church. been doing that. Uh, for almost five years there, and then um, probably a decade prior to that, just at various churches and events or any type of speaking engagement, um, talking about uh, faith in Christ, identity in Christ, and just how that should permeate your entire being and just kind of how that gives you solid uh, ground to kind of stand on and to um, navigate uh, this thing that we call life, uh, which can be complex, to say the least. But yeah, grateful to be here and talk about this subject. And you know Becca Allman, who is on <clears throat> just about every show with with me. And, and so, Becca, you have more, you guys know each other. I, we just met 
a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. Yes. Yeah, so David and I um, and his wife, we met at a conf- youth ministry conference, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, four or five years ago. So yeah. um, just really enjoyed their friendship and getting to talk about faith and mental health and mm-hmm. just all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, glad you're here. Yeah, I think we met at a youth pastor conference and then um, for, for a church camp. We had a breakout session. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there was that uh, Netflix TV show, 13 Reasons Why, right? And then I was like, we probably should address this because um, a lot of teenagers watched it. And so I um, reached out to Becca and was like, hey, can you come lead a session out? And I think uh, the title of your session was really catching me. It was 30 reason, 13 Reasons Why Not To. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the most talked about breakout session at that camp and well attended. So That's it was good, man. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. I think that was <clears> the first time I'd gotten to um, speak to students in that setting. Um, so it was, it was really yeah. cool, just suicide prevention and what to do, because they're all thinking about it, especially with mm-hmm. that show yeah. um, and talking about it at school, and, you know, they don't have the tools to know how to help a friend if they're feeling suicidal or if they themselves are feeling suicidal. It's scary. Um, so just being able to have that space to talk about it and go, okay, this is what you can do. Like, I, I get that it's scary, so let's talk through what that looks like and what that means and what you can do to help yourself and your friends. So it was cool. It's good. We uh, had a blog or it was actually ended up a page on our website that said 13 reasons why we hate 13 reasons why <laughs> dang that's good yeah <laughs> and one of them was that all the all the adults were just idiots it yeah. seemed like every adult in that show was an idiot mm. and so that's not very you know doesn't generate a lot of hope or encourage you to talk about it if you're mm. thinking about it at mm-hmm. least not with an adult and how the kids mean well yeah but they can exacerbate the problem unwittingly mm-hmm. so um we we uh i'll also refer to grief after suicide as like the atom bomb of grief yeah it's wow very hmm. uh, it's complicated uh, very complicated so why don't you tell us yeah. why you're willing to come here today and what, <clears throat> what you would want people to know yeah yeah okay so <clears throat> from a from a guy's perspective um and so, so I'll just I'll tell you a little bit about my story, just kind of my upbringing. So, like, for me as a as a pastor, when I when I counsel, and I want to use that word, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't use that word, especially with y'all. Um, but when I talk with somebody and they have an issue, or I'm trying to get to know them because uh, they need help with something, I'm gonna ask them, Hey, man, when did you come to faith in Christ? But more importantly, tell me about your your family, right? Tell me how you were raised. Um, because your past is going to impact your present and definitely your future if it's mm-hmm. not dealt with right. And um, I grew up um, in a loving home at times, but my father uh, was an abusive alcoholic physically. But looking back now, I'm starting to become aware of the emotional abuse, um, the mental abuse, and then, of course, the verbal abuse. And I think those three kind of get tossed out when, when there's physical. I think we tend to think abuse is just physical, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's rarely ever just physical abuse. There's always the other components right. to it. Absolutely. Um, and then you, you, you um, <clears throat> tag my dad's abuse on there with alcoholism, which he struggled with his whole life. Um, things just got really violent and scary at the house. Um, and so I was just kind of raised in, in chaos, although I sort of knew that I was loved by my parents, you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, I felt cared for and taken care of, but I never knew what type of person was going to come home, mm -hmm. that being my dad. Um, and so uh, I remember one night, I was five years old, and my mom was an RN, and she worked at the hospital night shift. And um, like a good boy, I was listening to my mom, and she said, hey, if there's anything you ever need, call this number on the refrigerator and just say you need to talk to Marilyn Aguinaldo, uh, Marilyn Foster. Um, and uh, one night, um, my dad woke me up, um, and he was hammered drunk, um, not in his right mind. And there's little bits that I remember, uh -huh. um, and it's enough to 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 be able to form cohesive thoughts on it. But basically, he was talking about ending his life, right? Um, and I didn't know really what that meant per se, but I knew it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And so I'm five, having to talk my dad out of that. Mm -hmm. So then I call my mom. <clears throat> And I don't even remember what I said, but I just remember my mom was there pretty soon afterwards. And from then on, she never uh, worked night shift. She just worked the day shift, and she would pick me up from school and everything like that. Um, and so I tell that story because I think it just gives a, a, a better context of how I'm going to not deal with grief um, mm -hmm. in the future. And so... Um, I'm 10 years old, and I come home from school, my mom tells me um, that she has uh, breast cancer. Um, she says it's stage four, which is a very advanced form of cancer. Um, and then uh, I was like, okay. Um, I didn't know how to process that, and and she didn't really know how to help me process that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, but life went on. Dad's kept drinking. Um, he was a functioning alcoholic is what I would call it. Like he could go to work, he could handle business and have conversations with people. Um, but he was, he was hung over the whole time. And then he'd come home and here's a, here's a 12 pack or a 30 pack or something. And then um, my mom gave it a good fight. Um, but ultimately December 9th, 2000, uh, when I was 13 years old, she lost the battle to cancer. Um, and by that time, her, um, the, the cancer had spread to her bone marrow and then also to her brain. So the last night she was alive, um, she, she could recognize me, but she wasn't cognizant of what was going on. Mm. Um, it was almost like, you know, looking back on, I can articulate this better. It's almost like her IQ dropped significantly. Mm. Um, and I don't know if she was fully aware of what was happening, but that night, um, her last night at 3.50 a.m., um, I remember that she she passed away, um, and then I just remember you know obviously crying, mourning. But how am I going to live with this guy, mm -hmm. who's my dad, who I know he loves me, but when he's drunk, he's a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Even me saying that, I don't know if he was a completely different person. I think it just mani helped manifest who he was inside and what he was struggling with, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because his father was an alcoholic, and then his father was an alcoholic. Um, and so, you know, to my dad's credibility, um, he tried his hardest. Um, but I also knew as an only child, I was like, I'm going to have to kind of raise myself. Um, and man, what a wait for a 13 year old to realize. Yeah. And it's not right. No, that's not, mm -hmm. that's not healthy. Um, and so, 
Um, I want to talk about kind of like support system and community at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of my parents' friends that kind of came into into play um, and saying like, hey, do y'all need anything? And, you know, when there's when there's a death, um, especially here in the South, we're pretty good, right? At like, hey, man, here's some meals. The immediate support. Yeah. yeah. Casseroles. Casseroles for days, um, gift cards, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Even the adults, right? That's all they know how to do. Yeah. They don't know how to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll give them benefit of the doubt. How do you have a conversation with a 13-year-old on grief? Um, ultimately, I think that should fall upon the parent. But when you have a parent who's inconsistent and just, at times, not coherent... And I, dealing with their own grief. And like, de- yeah. That's the thing, too. Even if, yeah. they're, they were, yeah. even if he wasn't an alcoholic, he was still dealing with his own grief. And may not be in a space where he can be totally present with you. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he wasn't. He wasn't fully present. And so um, I think what I did was, um, you know, I cried um, a lot, but I didn't let anybody see me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something that I think I, I was led to believe that as a guy, and I'm 13, man, I'm not even fully formed, you know, my frontal lobe is nowhere near developed, but I knew that um, it's not good to cry as a guy. Mm. Um, And so I would do that in private um, and try and navigate these thoughts of why this, why that, even thoughts of, was I the reason why Mm. she got cancer? Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, did I... I don't know, did I cause, like, some form of stress, you mm. know, that, like, because yeah. I didn't take out the trash when she told me to take out the trash and, and all that, and uh, just, like, I had nobody to talk to about that. I, I was going to ask you, did your, uh, any adults in your life, to the, the people that came around and brought the casseroles and gift cards, yeah. did they know that your father was an alcoholic and abusive? Um, some, yes, but, again, I, I think... In, in our context of, of living in the South. And, and at that time, let me give this, I lived in West Texas, uh, up in the Panhandle, which is like everybody puts on their best face. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, knowing that people can kind of see through that, but we're not going to speak to that, right? And so... Yeah, they'd be impolite. To, yeah, imp- impolite. Hey man, that's their refer, business. Yeah. They're going through a rough patch. Just, just let them handle it. And um, yeah, I would say there were some people that kind of stepped in to try and help my dad. Um, but uh, I think when you want to get better, when you want help, then you have to want that. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can bring yeah. that on you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, um, you know, back back to your question, I think um, the most I remember from people kind of trying to help me um, literally was, hey, David, have you ever read the Bible? And I'm not even a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I was just kind of like, no. And they're like, you should totally give that a shot. And again, I'm 13. I'm not in church. I didn't know how to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so not an offer to disciple you and come alongside you, which is, hey, here's this book. You should probably read it. And can you get past all the begats? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because the only Bible we had, right? What was a King James, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to, why does this say whereas? Why does this say, you know, thou's and, the, and these and, and all that? And so, 
Um, you know, I, it was well-intentioned. Hey, you should read the Bible, sure. right? Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but I needed somebody, and we're guilty of this, right? But I needed somebody to get their hands dirty with me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, I wonder why the school counselors didn't kind of pull me into their office, <clears throat> ask how I was dealing with anything. Um, yeah. And so I did um, what I think is, is pretty normal. Um, I found something an activity, what have you, to throw myself into, mm-hmm. right? Where, where do I feel the most safe? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't at home. Because mm-hmm. um, my dad's drinking just turned into day drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, um, I, I just didn't know what home was going to be like when I got home from school. And so um, I looked forward to school, but more importantly, I threw myself into my friendships with my friends, right? And my teammates in sports. And so when I walked onto a field, a, a gym, a weight room. Um, it was almost like this sanctuary for me. Yeah. Um, because I could have some form of control. Like it was on me if I performed well or not well. Um, and then with my friends, it was, um, you know, I just felt security around them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of times I was trying to spend the night at other friends' mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, um, um, and, and yeah, and then um, I think... I just, I just didn't deal with it, man. And, and, and also, I'm 13. And what 13-year-old isn't pretty self-centered? Yeah. Right? And so I was trying to figure out just kind of like, you know, I, I still had those, like, man, how do I talk to a girl? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I know my mom died, but, like, I'm, re- I'm really attracted to this teenage girl. How am I going to go to homecoming dance with her? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, life still goes on, even yes. though you're oh, yeah. grieving. Yeah. Um, but um and you didn't have the guidance i had no guidance um again i I feel like there was a support system but it was so distant um and i I will say i felt like i could ask for help but i didn't know how to Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why it's so good to be intentional with those who are grieving who 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 do experience loss um and would i've talked about it at that point i don't know i'll never know um, but it would have been good to have a shot at it yeah. um, to help me process that. And then and also... just if somebody had said, hey, whenever you're ready, just know that I'm here. Just know that I can talk to you. Just it. having that that opportunity. Because like you said, you may when they approached you, you may mm-hmm. not have been ready. But just knowing that somebody was there, yeah. um, not just to support you on a like outside level, but that they're there to talk to whenever you are ready. Yeah. Yeah. It makes I'd, a big difference. Yeah. It would have it made a huge difference. And... And you know, hey, maybe some, maybe at some point after my mom died, somebody did say that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't believe them if yeah. they did say it. Yeah. You know, um, and so, so yeah, I, 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 I just kind of threw myself into school um, because I want to make my mama proud, get good grades, mm-hmm. um, in sports because, you know, Friday night football is still a thing in Texas, mm-hmm. and so like, hey man, let me let me perform in that way, and mm-hmm. then. Um, um, my faith came into play when I was, when I was 17, um, got invited to church and, and came to know the Lord, um, as my personal savior. And, um, and then I, I, I had a a youth pastor that I could talk to about this stuff, but even him, man, as much as he tried, he didn't know how to talk about grief. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not really trained for that, um, well, in, in ministry training grounds, mm. you know, we're just not. 
um, which is, which, which, you know, I think the default position is like direct them to a licensed professional counselor, which is the route to go because you don't want to do more harm than, than, than good with sure. your words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some basic counseling questions and just relationships that you could develop and yeah there's a middle ground where not everything has to be referred to a counselor like some things can be addressed just with support like just like you said if you had support somebody to listen to to talk through is this my fault like you don't have to be a licensed counselor to be able to talk through that with somebody Um, but you're right most pastors and youth pastors don't have any kind of counseling training Mm -hmm. but that's who a lot of people go to first yeah yeah that's who they'll go to first and and so, um, you know, with my background, just with my mom dying, um, I've been able to relate to uh, a lot of students who are broken, broken homes, um, losing parents, or, or an abusive relationship. But I, I'm still not, I still feel inept um, to go deep with them. But that middle ground that you, you speak of, like 100%, and that's why, you know, I'm going to reach out to LPC and, and try and do that um, and everything. But um, I want to come back to something on the grieving process, I didn't process it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 13, I moved on. Um, I still thought about my mom every day, um, sure. but let me focus on the things at hand. I have a test and a deadline and a project that I have to get done. Um, and then, the older I got, y'all, I was like graduating from high school, 18 years old, and I remember thinking, man, my, my mom's not here to see me graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of your first big milestone. Yeah, it was milestone's a great word for that. Like it was a milestone, and then I started thinking, my mom's not here. She wasn't here when I got my license. Mm-hmm. She didn't teach me how to drive. Um, she didn't see me play varsity football. Um, yeah. to all go to these prom. to go to prom That's to 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 have my heart broken by by my by teenage sweetheart and all that other stuff, right? Like she she just wasn't there for it. And that's when it kind of hit me like, man, where did that time go? And how do Mm -hmm. I even process that? And um, even being a Christian and having solid ground at that point, I still didn't know really how to process that. Um, And I think again, as a guy, we're taught to, okay, you have these emotions, swallow them, keep them deep down inside and you're not going to deal with them because you're tough and you can handle this man mm-hmm. like and again a very southern mindset is hey man just pick yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because one it's it's counter to the gospel of message of Jesus Christ that says hey you can't do that by yourself um, and then also it's just unhealthy it's an unhealthy mindset to think that you can accomplish or do and take care of yourself no matter the circumstance. Right. And that's so far from the truth because who hasn't had help? Um, and so that's what I did. I was just like, man, I, all right, now I'm in college. I got to study. I got to get, again, good grades. What am I going to devote my life to? And then here comes ministry, and I just feel the Lord directed me that way. And so, you know, that that's what I had been doing. But, again, every big milestone that came up, like, hey, I got my first big boy job at a <laughs> church. Mom's not there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, she never got to hear me preach or teach or anything. Um, and so, um, yeah, 
What was your dad present? Yeah, yeah so... So what was that like? Man, guys, and this is where it's going to kind of get rough. Um, because I, I'm i still having to try and process this. Um, still coping with it. Yeah. Um, I think in very healthy ways. But you said at the start of this podcast, the, the stages of grief. I'm so grateful you said, like, okay, here's first stage and then there's going to be second stage and then when you get to this last stage then you're all good and fine mm-hmm. and everything like that and I remember this this quote I think it was from C.S. Lewis from his his book called The Grief Observed it's mm-hmm. it's actually like pretty much from his point of view of losing his wife he said um, I'm totally going to butcher this but it's like um, um, uh, the clock can go round till kingdom come but time won't heal it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Yeah. you know he, he also said, um, grief is like the sky, and it covers everything. So it's yeah. always there. It's always there. And it may not be it's always affecting there. every single thing you do, or yeah. you're not falling apart. Yeah. But it's always there. Yeah. And I love I loved that book. Yeah. And it's, no, it's a so good. short book. It's a short read. And that, I, I'd read other books on grief, but that one was so, I mean, he's, he's an amazing writer anyway, mm-hmm. a beautiful writer. Yeah. But he talked about other things you mentioned. I was thinking about that. People don't want to talk about it. No. People mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to him about, no. you know, his he lost his wife. It's too uncomfortable. People don't know how. It's not yeah. like they're being mean or yeah. there's no malice behind it. You just don't know what to say. Yeah. And these were his closest friends, you mm-hmm. know, that still can talk to him. You know, he opens that book um, really in the first few pages. And he says, and what happens when you experience grief and then you go to God? You find... You find a door locked, and then it's double bolted, and then it's it's bolted again. Hmm. And you just, you know, he was at that point in grief where he just kind of like, I don't even know what to do. Nothing makes sense. My my world is flipped upside down. I'm in the bottom of this pit, and I don't know how to get out. You know, is is how I interpreted what he was saying. And um, you know, as far as my dad, um, I, I I will say. He finally became sober. Um, I don't want to say it was too late, because it's never too late to become sober. But by that point, the damage had been done. Right. Yeah. How um, old were you? When he became sober, I was 16. Okay. Um, but I didn't forget. Mm-hmm. I didn't forget. I didn't forget those nights. I didn't forget those days. I didn't forget the times where I had to call the police to come get my dad because I thought he was really, truly going to harm my mom. Um, you know, I was there when police, you know, removed the guns out of the house um, because of a phone call I made. Um, and he never, he never apologized mm-hmm. for that. He just kind of, went on and I think he thought that well my son he's just gonna know I'm sorry about it sounds um, like you treated it like ev- like you treat everything else well that's in the past yeah. we're, we're pat we're, we're done with that and so we're just gonna move forward we yeah. don't need to talk about it yeah and and I think the older I got I, I would try and bring it up mm. but he'd be so uncomfortable with it um, and I think to the extent of the damage that he did to our family 
um, you know, I think he was still trying to process what he'd done. Sure. You know, I, I can't imagine the amount of guilt he felt. Um, but that, that whole idea of forgiveness and reconciliation um, that we, that I teach and preach and, and I think I understand, um, man, there, there's, I've forgiven him, but man, there's times where it, it's an everyday, day-by-day thing mm-hmm. um, where I, I will remember things. And I'm kind of like, wow, let me tell my wife about this. And she's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, um, so so this relationship with my dad, um, we were close but distant, mm-hmm. and more distant mm-hmm. than close. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, our relationship um, was really just tied to uh, mundane conversations. We couldn't talk about anything deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like all he wanted to talk about was sports. Um, and for me personally, guys, like, I did a lot in sports, and then I was done with it. And I'm just kind of like, there's more things I'm passionate about, man. I want to sure. talk about Christ. I want to talk about politics, economics, right? Like, art, whatever. I'll, I'll talk about those things. But um, we just had, we didn't have anything in common except blood. You know, he was my dad. Um, and so the last time, so we would talk every now and again, but I felt like I couldn't even uh, relate to him. He just felt yeah. he just felt like a di- completely different person, and so I I uh, I knew the whole time this is not a healthy relationship with my dad. I have to talk to him. I have to initiate it, but I just couldn't do it. I would blow him off. I would avoid phone calls. Um, I would literally ghost my dad. Um, he was living in a different state, and so that made it easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Dad, I'm just busy. Um, I think it would be hard to want to. Yeah. Spend time with him. Yeah. If he's not going to apologize and, and you can't, you know, you're just tiptoeing around this. Yeah. You know, it's it's not, doesn't feel like a real relationship. It's just, you're just kind of checking in. and. Yeah. You know. it, it was almost like I, I needed my dad because he, in some form or fashion, he needed to take care of me until I could take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But after that was done, I just started to see, like, man, we just don't have much in common. I know he loves me. All right. And I, and I loved him, but what is that love going to look like? Um, I, I didn't have the answer, and I still don't. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to look back on, on that relationship and just be like, and what, what can I learn from that? And, and, and again, for whatever reason, I put it on my shoulders. Like, I should have mm-hmm. done this. I should have done that. Um, and so to kind of this will give a better understanding like um he when i introduced him to my wife we went out there um he was living in arizona at the time and we flew out there to spend time with him because i want him to meet you know who i'm gonna spend the rest of my life with and um and it was the toughest week that i've ever Mm -hmm. been through um and she finally got to see kind of the burden that i've carried with me and she was just like david i'm and, and she has a degree in psychology, and she was just like, David, I'm, I cannot imagine what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, yeah. I, and so we tried to decompress and, and talk through some stuff. Um, but I did what I learned to do when I was 13. Let me swallow this. Mm-hmm. Um, I got stuff to do. 
I got to get married. Um, I got deadlines. I got things I, I have to make happen. And when was this? Man, this was in, uh, this was 2016. Okay. This was 2016. Um, and, uh, I, kept doing what I was doing. I, I would blow him off. Um, if he would call me, then he would call my wife and she would be cordial. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. But I, I, it, it just made my skin crawl to have to talk to my dad. Um, and I'm like, man, am I a bad son? And part of me thinks, yeah, I am. You still um, think that? I, I still kind of think I am. Like, I feel like I should have, I could have done more. And both, I got, I got two counselors <laughs> looking at me right now. I'm not a counselor. I just okay, out true that, them. true that. I got, I got two people looking at me right now, and, and they're just kind of like, yeah. So, they're giving me interesting looks. No, when it's I just because it, it hurts me so much to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. To know, like the, I think this is the first time I've gotten emotional on a podcast, but to know, like what you went through and what trauma does to the body especially at that age mm -hmm. and that when you don't especially when you don't know how to process and you're stuffing those emotions and so when your dad calls it's all those emotions coming back up and physically feeling mm -hmm. all of those emotions and what you went through as a kid and how you felt back then you're feeling that now so yeah I don't I'm <laughs> I totally get that you don't want to talk to him because you're having to deal with mm. 25 years worth of emotions all at once. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I I think just the fact that you would even consider talking to him or have the courtesy to respond and say, I'm really busy right now, is, is significant to me. That you would even try to maintain any kind of relationship with him instead of going, no, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I wouldn't blame you at all for doing that. Mm. But I get, because of your relationship with Christ and that desire to have a relationship with your dad, mm. you did as much as you could. Mm. And so it... Mm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that right there just helps so much. And understanding, I think, um, dealing with, with grief and guilt. Because I think you're yeah. going to feel guilt when you grieve. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a normal thing. Even the way you said when you were 13, that you internalized that guilt and that yeah. grief and going, did I cause my mom to have cancer? Yeah. Even though that's not yeah. that's not even possible. But right. as a kid, that's that's your understanding, especially when it's a little, little kid. Yeah. But that's just what we do. We internalize and we go, we turn it on ourselves and go, what could I have done differently? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a deal of control. Like, Maybe if I could have done something, mm. um, but that's often, yeah, you're right. Guilt yeah. often goes with grief. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I was having to take care of my mom a lot. Um, you know, it was, if anything, it was me trying to provoke my dad so that he wouldn't wail on her. He would, he would wail on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, I think, I don't know how many months would go by but yeah I wouldn't talk to him I would blow him off uh, my wife is incredibly kinder than me in understanding um and, and she it, also wasn't immersed in it she also wasn't immersed in it <sighs> yeah man she wasn't 
I mean, your wife is awesome, but she was not she dealing is. with trauma at the same she time. She was to deal with him. But man, she's. But I could see as a wife being protective of my husband. If he had been through that, I would yeah. have a hard time talking to the dad. Yeah. Yeah, I could get that. Yeah, yeah. She and she's told me she was like, I just, it's hard for me not to be angry with your dad. Yeah. Um, for sure. And so, um, um, yeah. So, you know, we we get through that week of meeting my dad, and we go through long spans of not talking to each other. Because um, it just made me anxious, to say the least. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, me and my wife, we have our first daughter. And then we have our second daughter. Um, and, um, again, not dealing with grief, I started to see it manifest um, in how I parent. I saw exactly what not to do as a parent. Um, and yet there's still times where I feel... Like, my default is to do what I saw. Now, I'm not talking about abuse or right. anything like that, but I see myself kind of dealing um, with, uh, if I'm stressed out, because kids can be stressful, y'all. Uh, yes. um, especially at, really at any age, right? But when you have two under the age of five um, mm-hmm. that need you, um, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and, again, to feel guilty about that. Like, I'm not spending enough time with my older daughters. Um, I'm not spending enough time with my younger daughter, and, and you're feeling pulled in different directions. What did I find I was doing? Oh, I'll just figure it out. I'll just deal with it. I'm not going to talk about this. Mm. I'm not going to tell my wife that I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, so um, what that would turn into is just like, man, quick temper, losing it. Um, uh, you know being real abrupt with one daughter so I could spend time with another daughter. Not mm. healthy stuff, not yeah. healthy parenting. Yeah. Um, and again, I, like my daughters feel loved, they feel safe, secure, taken care of. Um, but I see little glimpses and I'm like, man, that's what my dad would say. Mm. Or, or that was a lot like my dad. Mm. Or I'm thinking a lot like my dad's train of thought that I would kind of see him kind of go down um and and um yeah it was it's just been um this process of discovering really and truly how someone's past and upbringing truly affects their present Mm -hmm. um and how do you deal with that Um, to not repeat the same mistakes and getting rid of that, whatever you say, you know, generational curse, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't want to perpetuate um, what I grew up in. And so I want it to be a better uh, place. And so maybe that's an entirely different subject. But, again, me not dealing with the grief. And I know there's other things that happened when I grew up, right? I mean, it's it's a combination of many things. People are complex. There's a lot of complexities in life. But um, I... How I learned how to cope was really not coping. It was mm-hmm. not dealing with it. Right. It was detaching yourself from something that you desperately need to address. But the guy in me was, hey, let's swallow this, keep it deep down inside, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, we got stuff to do. We got stuff to get done. And so, um, um, are we, do you have any questions? Y'all good right now? Well, I was gonna ask yeah. you: Did you ever, 
enlist a licensed professional counselor to join you on your journey through this? To uh, help you? No. No, man. No. I would that's interesting. Like I would push people toward professional counseling. A hundred percent. So what stopped you? But I'm not gonna do that. That happens all the time. No, I can handle this. Uh, okay. Yep. I understand okay. it. Like, hey man, my you know, I could I could figure this out. Like, uh, you know, I just need to process my emotions, you know. Which means I need to binge something on Netflix. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I need to just numb out, and then I'll be good. Um, but uh, again, not healthy. That's not the way to do it. Because you're it's not a even. Fix. Yes, yes, and, and, it, and it's a and it it can you know work yeah. temporarily. You know, it's but it's temporary. But we're not even. I mean, then, so you've got all of this going on, and then yeah. your father died. Yeah. Last last year? 2020, yeah. And because it's 2020, I have to say, it wasn't from COVID. Um, but uh, he, I got, I got a phone call um, from my uncle, his brother. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be good because my uncle never calls me. Um, and, that, and that's not, uncle, if you ever listen to this, that's not a slide on to you. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's usually my aunt that calls me, right? Just family mm-hmm. dynamics. And right. so... Uh, yeah, he, he calls, leaves a message, and uh, saying, hey, I, you need to call me back. We need to talk about something. And I was in the middle of work um, at home because we're still working at home at that point. It was uh, July of uh, 2020, and um, I, uh, I call him back, and um, he tells me that my father died. And I was overwhelmed at the wave of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had built up this narrative in my head that I know my dad's gonna die at some point. I've made my peace. I don't have anything to say. I'll mm-hmm. be just fine. And the wave of emotion that hit me was just like, this is not how it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't how I played it out in my head. And uh, I took a deep breath, because um, we had company over at the house. Uh, oh, um, good timing. <laughs> And uh, I walked out and kind of tapped my wife on the shoulder. Um, She jumped because she thought it was one of our kids, and we never know what's going to happen when our (laughs) kids are on our shoulder. And uh, I just said, hey, my dad died. I just found out my dad died. And uh, then I just lost it. I just started crying. And the people that were there, fellow believers, and and they prayed in that moment. And uh, then they left. Um, cause they didn't know what to say. Right. Um, and, uh, um, okay. let me just say, if you don't know what to say, it's okay. Like just yeah. sit with them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just listen. hundred percent. Yeah. Just be with just them. Just be with them. Yeah. And so, um, th- they leave, um, probably cause they're just trying to be kind of like, Hey, let's just give, yeah, them, give them some space. space. And, um, Privacy. yeah. And, uh, meanwhile, I got, I mean, I got I got two little girls that cannot process this, mm-hmm. right? Now, do they have any kind of relationship with him? They, my father wasn't at our wedding, and um, and he never met his granddaughters face to face. Okay. Um, saw pictures. Um, you know, my wife would send him pictures and everything, but uh, yeah, and never talked to him on the phone or or anything, and so. Um, that's another thing that I feel guilty about. I'm kind of we should have found a way for my grand for 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 them to meet their grandfather, um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, um, but uh, I think it would have been the kind thing to do. I don't know, guys, man. 
And you never, I mean, yeah. it's one of those things that it's, it, you'll never know because it's just, yeah. you don't know how that would have gone over. Yeah. And that bothers me though. Like yeah. I want to know. Right? Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, uh, uh, my wife, Deb said, what do you need right now? What do you need to do? Um, I got the girls do what you need to do. And I said, okay, um, it's July in Texas. It's really hot. Um, but I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. Um, I need to go outside to a park someplace that has some form of like calisthenic workout mm-hmm. equipment. Mm-hmm. Cause I need to work out. I need to push something. I need to pull something to, to get this stuff out right now. Yeah. And so, you know, hundred degrees, I, I book it to, to a park that we go to and they have this outdoor workout equipment and I just began to do as many uh, push-ups, dips, pull-ups, you name it, um, as I could until I couldn't do it anymore. And I was completely exhausted and really hot mm. and really thirsty. <laughs> um, and while I was doing it, um, I just had a very, um, it, I was almost doing business with the Lord. Yeah. You know, I was just like, okay, God, um, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, um, but you know, and you're going to help me process this um, because I can't do this by myself. Um, I can't do it. And so um, I do that and I come home a couple hours later and I was like, okay, I need to get the girls to bed. Like we need to get past dinner time, um, which is like the bewitching hour. I mean, there's some truth to that. And then I need to get him in bed. And then I need to talk to Deb about everything that I'm feeling. Um, and so that's what we did. And she mourned with me. She cried with me. I talked about a lot that I can't remember, uh, guys. But, uh, man, she, she was there to listen. Um, not not offer any advice, but mm-hmm. just to be there for encouragement and for safety and for comfort. Yeah. And that's what I needed. And, um, and then... Uh, um, she said, you need to meet with a therapist. Like, that's what you need to do. You need to do that. And I was just like, I think you're probably right. Let me think about it. And she's like, no, you need to do this. And I was like, you know, you are right. And I'm going to do this. And so, um, about a month went by because we kind of had to settle like everything with my dad. Um, you know, as far as like, and family, like, Hey, where's the funeral going to be? We're still in a pandemic. Yeah. Am so I, who was am planning I going all this? There? Man, my dad's brothers and sisters okay. stepped up oh, good. Um, and they handled everything. I don't think I could have done any of it. There's no way I could have. If I would have gone over there, um, I, I want to give myself benefit of the doubt that I would have been able to push through. Um, but I think it would have done more harm than good mm-hmm. just on my mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just allowing me to be back here in Texas and just just process it that way um that was good Good. and then um and then um i i reached out to um um i'm part of a network of churches and they work with licensed professional counselors and so i said hey i need some counseling my dad died um i'm so sorry here's some here's some counselor here's some options for counselors and uh it was like um yeah, almost like a dating app, right? Where you're just kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. so here are their bios, and like, who am I going to gel with? Who am I? And, and I never done it before, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it can um, be overwhelming. And so I was just like, I don't know. Let me just roll the dice. And so that's what I did. And and so 
I'm 33. Uh, my mom died when I was 13. My dad died um, when I was 33. Never really dealing with my mom dying. And so how am I going to deal with my, my dad dying? Um, and I go through my first counseling session um, with, a, with a LPC. And it was really good. Because they ask good questions. Mm-hmm. And it's comical also. I, I will say this. It's comical because when you, the more sessions you do, you're kind of like, I know what they're about to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, so go ahead and ask it. And so it'd be like, I would say something and I'd be like, and now you're going to ask me to whatever. And, and my, my counselor was like, yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Um, but it takes those questions to peel back the layers that you haven't dealt with. And it's a good thing. And so my mindset has kind of shifted as far as like swallowing your emotions or your demons or whatever you call them mm-hmm. and, and kind of switching it to being like, hey man, you need to you need to hang out with those emotions. You need to hang out with those demons. You need to take it to coffee. You know, you need to process it by, you know, asking yourself questions like, hey man, why do you feel that way? Where did that come from? And um, I'm still... Uh, my, my counseling sessions are done, um, but I still feel like I need to I, I need to go through counseling more mm-hmm. um, because um, I'll watch. I mean, I will watch a show. We watched a show on Netflix called Made. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it talks about abuse. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like triggered. Yeah. And a memory popped up and I I was just like, I was like, my goodness, Deb, I remember this where my dad. Um, he wouldn't stop hitting my mom unless I laughed about it. Mm. And so I was just kind of like, forgot about that one. Um, Where's that coming from, right? And so just the suppression of my emotions. Um, And and then I, you know, again, go through those stages of grief. And not in order, right? Right. Um, Or it's sadness, it's it's anger. It's it's like, my goodness, how broken was this man that I called my father? Um, and how can I make sure that my my daughters have a better childhood um, than, than I did? And then it's just kind of like, man, you haven't even dealt with your childhood, though. So I went to counseling to deal with the grief of my father, but I need counseling more, I think. It's trauma. On, There's a on, lot, yeah. On my, on my childhood. Mm-hmm, and yeah. um, and um, I will say... It's okay to be nervous about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very human response. Someone's about sure. to get into your business, um, ultimately to help you, um, because you really just can't help yourself. You can't pick yourself up by your bootstraps when you don't really know the source or the cause of what is troubling you and hindering you from really flourishing as a parent, as a husband, really as as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, When we talked about how you didn't, when you were 13, you didn't have anybody to talk to about the Mm -hmm. grief, but what about the abuse? Did you ever talk to anybody about what that was like? You know, I think there were some conversations. So, so as an adult, no. Um, And nobody talked to me that I can recall Mm -hmm. um, when we were going through the abuse, you know. Um, uh, I think... I think people had to have known that my father was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and a functioning alcoholic. Um, but um, I, I was never asked, hey, David, do you feel safe at home? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, no one. Yeah. So it's, it was the same kind of coping skills of just stuffing it down and just let we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, I'm gonna survive day to day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna survive day to day until I can kind of take care of myself. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what I did. Um, um, and and it and it really, I. It's hard for me not to be bitter um, at the church, meaning meaning the body of believers Mm -hmm. that that were around me Mm -hmm. when I wasn't a Christian, you know, um, because I felt like, you know, look, the church does a really poor job on helping people deal with with grief and everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I and I think, you know, know, I'm not going to pull any punches with that. You know, I, I think we need to do a better job with it. And, um, you know, in processing my father's death, I mean, there's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations mm-hmm. where if you read it from beginning to end, there's no good ending. Yeah. Um, you, you're just sit... The, 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 the book just makes the reader sit in the grief of, of losing what was good and awesome and then trying to process that. And... Um, God understands grief, you know. Um, you mentioned just being there, Job's three friends, mm-hmm. um, who show up and they just sit there in silence with their friend for three days. And then they open their mouth and they say some crazy stuff, but they were there for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's a good practical way of of being there for somebody, just to simply be there. Um, and it's okay not to have the right answers and everything. And so, um. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think trauma manifests in different ways. Obviously, I'm not an alcoholic. Um, I'm not going to physically or mentally or verbally abuse anybody. Um, but uh, there's still little ticks I see that that I saw as a kid. Yeah. Um, that I'm like, wait a second. Let me redirect that someplace else. Um, so so yeah, counseling. So you're open to it. Oh, 100%. 100%, man. My goodness, like, it was refreshing to be able to talk to somebody um, about grief um, and, and, and to go through counseling because there is still the stigma in the Christian world um, that if you go through counseling, you're broken. Um, or like you should just be able to pray about it. You should just be able weak. to pray about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm Your just kind of like, weak. yeah. Exactly, and and again, I think that's so counter to to what Jesus taught, and it's counter to the gospel message of Jesus of saying like, um, you are broken, you know, um, and it's frustrating, and things are going to work against you, but you need help to process and to deal with this stuff, and that's why I came into this world to bear those burdens, and um, you can walk with me in freedom, or you can walk in bondage. Um, and you can try and deny it, and you can avoid it, but you will get the fruit of that poison mm-hmm. um, at some point. And um, and uh, God forbid, man. I really think. I really think if 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 my wife wasn't so adamant on counseling and pushing me, um, and I don't think I would have done it, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, shout out to my wife, Deb, but. Yeah. But also, I think, again, where's the church to say, hey, 
you don't have this. You don't got it. But we can help, you know. It's like Home Depot's slogan, I think. Like, hey, you can do it, but we can help kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're, we're right there with you. We'll walk with you um, in this grief and this and everything, but... Yeah, I was teaching at, um, well, I was teaching at that youth ministry conference a couple weeks ago, and that was one of the things we talked about. I told them, I said, I think fewer people would be in my office if we did this better, this being caring for people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a quote from Bessel van der Kolk that talks about being in safe relationships is integral to mental health. Like, that's the basis of mental health, because we can't stay... It just it our our nervous system functions on mm-hmm. relationships so much, and when we don't have those safe relationships, we we have a hard time staying in that space of feeling calm and connected and mm-hmm. and just our nervous system being balanced. But what we talked about was that when when I say safe relationships, what I mean is not just being around people that you feel comfortable with. What I mean, what what Bessel van der Kolk talks about is being mm-hmm. seen, feeling seen and heard. And I think they carried in the hearts of others. That goes way beyond mm. just hanging out with people. Like to know that I am like I'm fully seen and known, and you're still hanging out with me, and you're still mm. going to be there with me, Man. and I can be broken and in pain, and you're still going to be there. And we can we can view things differently, and you're still going to be there. And even when you're not there, you're still carrying me in your heart, and thinking about me, and praying for me. Yeah. That's what we mean, mm. and that's I think. Sadly, I think that's where the church fails, is that we think that if it's just, that we can get them in the door, they're good. And they're going to be here and they're going to hear the gospel message and that's great and we'll say hi to them and then they'll go about their lives. Mm-hmm. But we totally, we don't go that deeper level. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's not just the church, it's in a lot of spaces. We don't go that deeper level of feeling seen and heard and carried in the hearts of other people. Man. Yes. Yes and amen. The Counseling Place is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard or you care about mental health, please support our work. Affordable mental health services are scarce, and we could use a little help over here. Go to the CP dot org for details.